Hi, I'm Mel. I'm an illustrator, designer, and founder of the Mimi for Creatives community. I created Mimi to support creatives with coaching, resources, masterclasses, workshops, and more. You are now listening to season two of the Mimi podcast, where I have fun and interesting conversations with some of the nicest creative minds around the world. From artists and illustrators to designers and art directors, I hope you enjoy listening to our chats and learn a thing or two. In today's episode, I have a conversation with a talented Marlos de Vries, a Dutch artist, illustrator and author. She is truly multi-talented. In our chat, we explore her upbringing in the countryside and how she knew very early on that she wanted to be a painter. We also discuss how she progressively went from illustrating other people's visions, especially in children's books, to sharing her own. Marlos also recently released her first book, for now only available in Dutch, titled Having Children is Optional, which led to a very interesting conversation on the topic and the stigma which surrounds it. Finally, we talked about freelance life, boundaries and mental health, without forgetting to discuss Marlo's immense love for the UK. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. So here we go. I'm excited to talk about your book. That's like a huge deal. Um, yeah, so it came out last week and uh, there was a lot of press around it. And then we had a, a government change in my country. Uh, we now have a quite a right-winged uh, government. Um, or, or are we getting one? Uh, they're in the process. Um, so, yes, it's quite quiet around my book right now because there are more important things uh, happening in my okay. country. Yeah, yeah, I read about this. And anyway, we're not going to start talking about politics because it's a bit depressing. <laughs> no, but um, it's the same in the UK, though, because we'll talk as well, because I know you love the UK, but it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's much better. We're not doing great either. Um, but okay, your book, um, I hope one day it's translated into either English or French so I can read it. Because so it's called what I found for the, I mean, I had to translate your post. It's like in English, it says it's having children is optional. I don't know if it's the most, the prettiest way of translating it for you, but you were saying, so you had a lot of press and feedback on it. And I think I read a few things you posted and there was probably also a lot of pushback because some people just are stuck in their ways, I guess. But yeah. how have you been dealing with everything? Well, so far, most feedback has been really lovely. So people are in general very excited and also because it's about that not every woman wants to be a mother. And there has been a, a lot of, no, not a lot of books, but in English, there has been quite a few books that are about uh, wanting to be a mother and not being able to. Um, so this book is a bit different. It's for women that don't want to be a mother. And it's actually one of the first books uh, in the in the Dutch language about this topic. So a lot of women are really happy about that, that I'm trying to give them a voice, basically. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I think there's one, I don't know if you know Emma Gannon. She's a, yeah. yeah. So she, I think she wrote a lot. She's writing a lot about this as well. It's the same wavelength of yeah. being really happy without kids and having a full life. And yeah, she. I think she wrote a, non a fiction book, actually. She wrote Olive. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting because I we emailed last week. Um, okay. She emailed me and she asked me if my book is coming out in English too, so because she wants to read it. So that's very, very that's lovely. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot yeah. of us are, yeah. Uh, but hopefully, you know, if it's really successful, and I'm sure it will be, it will be translated in, 
in a few other languages. Okay, first, what I always do, because we started talking because we're excited, I want to go back to little, little Marlowe's and think about how you were as a kid. So it seems from what I read that you are pretty exceptional because, you know, you knew really early on that you wanted to be into in art. I don't know, probably when you were a kid, it was probably like more painting. And, but then also you started doing design at 14. So I love it. I want to know about how you were <laughs> as a kid because your parents weren't in arts, were they at all? No. Not at all. So I was a really a weird kid in that sense. That um, so, so sometimes you hear about people that are in art and then they come from a really creative background and parents were painting and making ceramics or whatever. And my parents did none of that. Um, so what I know is that my father, he used to paint. He, uh, he used to paint landscapes, but that was before I was born. So I never saw him do that. Um, and my mum is not creative at all. So I have no idea how I got the idea that I want to be an artist because I've said that I wanted to be a painter when I was age four, which is really young. Um, and then my mum said, do you want to be a house painter, like painting windowsills and that kind of thing? And I said, no, I want to be in a museum. <laughs> so I, I was it. very particular about that. <laughs> um, so no, I'm not from a creative background. Um, and yeah, that's basically how I, I didn't even grow up with a lot of books. So I love making books, but I didn't grow up um, amongst books. Yeah. But your, so your, was it your granddad? You had a print shop. And do you feel like maybe that gave you a lower insight into books in a way? Yeah, but he didn't do books. So he had a print shop and he was mainly um, making booklets, booklets like for advertising. And uh, we have to think, this thing in the Netherlands, birth announcement cards. So when a baby is born, you send out a card to your friends and family to announce the birth of your child. So he made that kind of thing. And um, he printed t-shirts a lot. So I was there when I was quite young. So you have to imagine my grandfather had a house and to the back of the house, there was a garage. So in the garage, it was quite big. He had, when I was about, I think, 10 years old, he had three Heidelbergs. And Heidelbergs are those really big German printing machines, like dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun. They made that kind of noise. still really comforting to me, that noise. Um, and, and he was printing all sorts of stuff for the whole community, his, the whole town. He was making all kinds of things. And what I love most about that is that you could make something out of nothing. So he put a white paper in and out came something with text and images on it. And I was just fascinated by that, that you could make something out of nothing. So that definitely inspired me to make things out of nothing. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. So how did you go from that, from, you know, knowing at four that you're going to be, you wanted to be a painter and then starting to do some design bits like 10 years later which is still really young like basically as a teenager you were like I mean I was doing the same but it's not fair because I came from a family you know the people you said that come from family are really creative people that's me so um I feel like I had all the tools on all the knowledge passed down but how did you I love that what what happened in your head where you're like hey I love doing some bits I'm gonna start making almost money you know doing a little business out of it yeah, now you said that, now I'm really curious about your background because I don't know too much about that, but I will refrain from asking you a lot of questions. Maybe we should do that at the end. We'll do another time, um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think I was 
I was 12 when I started drawing portraits. So I was drawing family portraits of uh, people in the neighborhood. I was just advertising myself. I can draw your portrait for just, I think it was 10 guilders, which is like five euros a portrait, something like that. Um, so at a very early age, I realized that I could make money with my art. And um, so I did that with family portraits uh, at first with pencil, with, with the with charcoal and pencil, basically. And then I was 14, I started making websites um, because I just learned it in school, how to do uh, HTML and all that kind of stuff. And then I realized I could make whole things on the internet for everyone to see. And I thought that was just brilliant. I thought, this is amazing. I can reach so many people. Um, and I also had a classmate and he was already doing it as well. So I could look a little bit uh, at him and how he was doing stuff. And he was so professional for a 14 year old. So he had a big setup at home and I was just doing it from my my parents' computer. So I wasn't really professional. Um, but yeah, very soon I realized that I could make money from my creativity. That's basically it. I guess when you were, we're probably around the same age when you were 14, websites were new as well. Because I feel like it's too easy to make websites nowadays. But at that time, yeah. people were probably, oh, yeah, make me a website. This is pretty cool. Like, it must have been such a yeah. novelty. And yeah, nobody could make websites. It, yeah, it wasn't like a template and you ju just add something. to. The, you really had to code stuff. You really had to know code and type everything in piece yeah. by piece. Do you still know some of you? If you like oh, that. yeah, of course. If, yeah. I, if I I know how to start a website from scratch, yeah. That's amazing. I know a lot of people that studied it and then they got like, it's just like, it's too much. It's a lot of work. It's hard. Yeah, it is. But yeah, so it's pretty cool. So you were doing that and then you did study visual communication. So I guess you did that. At, well, that was during school anyway. And then where did you go to study? Um, so I studied in the east of the Netherlands at Aki. It's a, the school is called Aki. And it was really a mixture of German students and Dutch students. And it was a, an art school, uh, but you had different sections to it. So you had the, the painting part and the sculpting part. And then you had this little group of people that did graphic design and, and that kind of stuff. And we were that. We were visual communication that we did all the, the, the graphic design stuff. Yeah. And when you were there, how how did you find it? Do you, did you... Because graphic design, I love, I mean, that's what I studied as well. But there was, for me, there was always a want and a need to create images because, you know, graphic design is kind of, you've got elements and you put them together, but you're not meant to really create anything. I mean, you create by putting together, I guess. But did you always kind of draw on the side? Did you have, were you attracted already to painting and all that? Yeah. So when I, we had to, we had to do a, a test to pass. So when first, when you go to article, you can't just go to article in the Netherlands. You have to do, I don't know how, what that is like in other countries, but you have to do tests. Yeah. Is that the same in France had, as well? I had the same in France. Yeah. Especially for yeah. public schools. I mean, private schools, you still have tests, but you, you pay as well. So I'm pretty sure they just let you come anyway, but yeah, public school, you have a test and it's quite difficult to go. In. Yeah. Yeah, we still have to do a test and we have to pay. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm the lucky generation. I had to pay very little. The people have to pay a lot no, more these more. days. So yeah. I feel very lucky that way. Um, so yes, so I, when I applied to art school, I actually wanted to 
do illustration and art. Um, so the setup was like this. In the first year, you had a more general year. So you did all kinds of stuff. So you did sculpting and you did painting and graphic design. And then you decide what kind of direction you want to go. So um, I chose visual communication um, because it was a mixture of so many things. So I could do graphic design and I thought I could do illustration as well. <laughs> um, I didn't. Um also because I am a very practical person. So I thought if I'm going to study painting, it's very unlikely I'm going to make money with that. And I thought if I would do visual communication, I could work as a graphic designer and maybe earn some money as well. So I was really practical when I was 18 years old. Yeah, but it makes sense though. I was the same. I always thought um, it just wasn't a thing, like being an illustrator or an artist, it just felt amazing, but like we wouldn't pay rent with it, you know? So yeah. So you I always look then. Yeah, tell me. I always looked up at people that were just going for for painting or sculpting. I thought, "Oh, that's so brave that you're you're daring to do that and just not not being sure what you're going to do because I had another classmate, she was doing painting, and I asked her, "How how are you going to uh, make money later on?" She said, "Oh, I would just work as a mailman or whatever." I thought, "Oh, that's so cool that you just yeah. think I'm I'm doing everything for the painting and I was way more practical. I just wanted a job. Yeah. Which is good. And I guess maybe you had do you, did you have some pressure from your parents because I guess they didn't know anything about this or were they quite sure uh, No. About <laughs> they were quite they were quite hesitant that I wanted to go to art school. They were like um, my my father he actually said, "So what are you going to do? Are you going to end up in Paris uh, underneath the bridge and going to be homeless for the rest of your life?" Because he thought that was what painters are are going to be like that they're all homeless. And I thought, um, no, that's not my plan. So I think subconsciously there was some pressure for me to do something practical as well because I, I always wanted to draw and tell stories. So me deciding to go for graphic design is like option B, plan B for me. You didn't go freelance straight away because you, so you studied visual communication and then you worked in different agencies after that as well. So that would have been solely graphic design, right? Or like not much yeah. illustration for them. But I'm more intrigued. I know I was going to ask you a question about this, but then I thought I'd rather talk about when you started freelancing because that's more exciting. Um, <laughs> how did that started going in your mind being like, actually, I could, you know, start making money with my illustration and tell more stories because graphic design, again, it's not, you probably weren't telling many personal stories through it. So yeah, when did you go freelance and how, how did that feel? Um, so yeah, I was working for agencies and what I didn't really like about that is that you were always telling other people's stories. So I was always listening to companies and then translating their stories to graphic design, um, to logos or websites or whatever. And I came to a point that I was on a, br uh, on the brink of a burnout, uh, many, many years ago. And so I quit my, my job and I just thought, I will see where this leads me and, um, yeah, I, I was planning on going freelance and I wanted to draw more, but I quickly started to freelance as a graphic designer. So I didn't, it took me two years, I think, being in, into my freelance career before I actually started drawing again. Yeah, I did similar. I feel like it's progressively, anyway, you, I feel like when you go freelance, everything progressively changes depending on what you start doing and what you want to do. It's not like so black and white because I'm the same. I did a lot of graphic design and a bit more illustration and then a bit more illustration. And now I don't really do. I still do graphic design, but not as much, I guess. So that must have been exciting, though. Did you like freelance life straight away? 
Um, yeah, I quite like it. It very it suits me very well in the basis um, that I I feel like as a freelancer you have a lot of autonomy. So you have a lot of you can make your own decisions. You get to decide which people you work with. Um, so I like that very much. Yeah. So you've illustrated a lot a lot of books, which is what you did for a long time, and you still do it, but. You, you're doing, I feel like you're really focusing on sharing your own stories a bit more now, but you illustrated love books for other people, like you said, but then that was definitely more illustration, you know, more illustration heavy. Did you like working on books? Yeah. So after two years of freelancing, I started to focus on illustration more and I did several courses as well in Cambridge and in Spain as well. And I really felt that illustration suited me quite well. And I very much enjoyed illustrating other people's books. But having done it for 12 years, I started to really miss my own voice. So like I said before, with the agencies, I was really very much listening to companies and translating their message to advertising, to websites or whatever. And I felt I was doing the same again in my illustration business as well. So uh, recently I decided to, to switch things, but... In illustration as well, I'm very much listening to an author's story or listening to an author's story um, and translating what they want to see. And I really missed um, telling my own story, stories because that's where it started. When I was four years old, I actually, because you asked me how, how that was uh, as a child and why, why I was drawn to drawing. It's because I always wanted to tell stories, even when I was three or four years old. But because I couldn't write... I drew them, but it's always been for me about telling stories. It's not about illustrating per se. It's not about the visual images per se. It's about telling that story through words and pictures. And I've just come to realize in the past two years that that actually is what I want to be doing. But alongside all the books and everything, you were always doing your comics and they're very personal. And that's where you can, well, you know, that's always where you've been telling your stories. And I've always loved reading them ever since I discovered your work ages ago. I mean, I like the English ones, the ones in Dutch. I'm like, (laughs) Marlis, what am I supposed to do with this? I cannot understand this. Um, It's fine. I'm kidding. It's it's fine. No, Um, but that's a really good point. If I may interrupt you, um, I really enjoy uh, doing everything in English because it gives me such a broader audience as well. And I like to connect with people that are like-minded and that people aren't necessarily Dutch that I'm connected to. But the thing is, and maybe you knew, know that as well because you're French, that I, I am Dutch and I'm living in the Netherlands. So people kind of expect me to do everything within the Netherlands. And I find it really hard to break through in English-speaking countries. And sometimes I think, oh, maybe I should move to England and maybe have a better shot at uh, getting in touch with with publishers. Yeah, I don't know. It sometimes frustrates me that it's so hard for me to get a a publishing deal in the UK or the US just because my first language language is Dutch Mm. because English is quite okay for me as well. Yeah, it is. You sound really good. You actually sound a little bit British, which is going to make you happy. (laughs) Thank you. well, that's why I moved, you know, that's that's literally why I moved out of Paris into and into London. And, and then now I'm in Margate by the sea. But I felt I hadn't experienced it, but I felt like staying in France would mean that my world would stay really French and everything yeah. would be in French. And then I wanted to work with, you know, the US, Australia, like whatever. And yeah, so I get that point. Um, and I don't know the solution except, yes, coming to the UK. Or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I think you, you do share a lot of things in English. 
it is fine. I'm pretty sure you've got a good balance. As long as clients know that you can do things in English and you speak English, it's not, I think it shouldn't be a problem. But I get that some clients are a bit lazy, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I find it such a sh shame sometimes because, uh, for example, with my book, I'm really happy I have a Dutch publisher and it's going really well. But I think books like that work in English too. And I, I hear from a lot of people, can you please translate this to English? And I think, yes, I would love to, but I need more resources. I need an English speaking publisher. I need more food on the ground. I don't know if that's an English expression, I don't but know. Maybe. In English speaking countries. Yeah, <laughs> But it, it should be, is it not your publisher's, not role, but can they help with that? They should be able to know if there's or go to other publishing houses in the UK. You're not that far. I don't know. Uh, from my experience, they don't do a lot of translations. So because um, the, the Netherlands is such a small country and we in Belgium and the Netherlands, they speak Dutch. So that's that's really nice because then we have two countries, mm. but still it's not that much. Um, yeah. And also with the publishers, they have really limited resources concerning that. So. Yeah, that is so a bit of a problem. Just pitching. Just talk to Emma about it. She'll know. She'll be like, hey, Emma. Do you know any We emailed publishers? once. I know. Hey, buddy. I think you, you should do it. You want to help me out here? I'm sure she would, actually. Or she wants to read it. I feel like she'd know. But anyway. But yeah, it's a really good point. But I understand. I mean, books, it's so hard to get books made already. So it's amazing that you got something, you know, even with a Dutch publisher. So I know it's not easy to get anything done these days anyway. So... We've talked about you wanting to tell your own stories and, and yeah, I've told you I love your comics because I, I was always thinking I love your paintings. Um, they're so pretty. And I've loved also that's that's a really random question. But what I've really liked as well that you shared is when you go on little trips on your own, which I love doing as well. I love like going places on my own and you just paint. And I think you came, you've done it to the, in the UK, but you've done it loads of different places. And it's so inspiring. What I really like as well is that you always seem to be doing exactly what you need for your mental health, for yourself and just <laughs> do things your own way, which I really love. And I wonder like, yeah, how you feel about this? Do you feel like you're really good at this? I like having boundaries and just doing what you need to do or you're not? <laughs> I feel like I'm really shit at it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. If you want to bleep that out, that's fine. No, we don't have to. It's fine. We can swim. Oh, no, I think, yeah, I think it looks from the outside that I'm really taking care of my, everything, but in reality, I'm really shit at everything. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to do my best, honestly. Um, um, I had a very rough year, so I, I'm still uh, having a, a burnout, like the proper medical burnout. And I have gotten better at taking care of my mental health this year. So I'm, I'm proud of myself of, of that, that um, I'm taking more breaks and I'm just listening more to my body because I was really, really good at ignoring every bodily sense. Even I, if I felt that I need to pee i wouldn't pee i would just um n not go and eat or i would not drink anything um so i have gotten better at that but yeah i i felt that very a few years ago i really felt that um traveling alone and just being by myself for a while and just do whatever i think is needed uh really helped me uh so in that sense um yeah I, i've learned a lot about taking care of myself and uh it, it's it's a process It's just little steps all the way until I'm really taking good care of myself. But yeah, the traveling alone has been 
a big thing for me. So I haven't done that in quite a while and I should do it more often, but just taking the space to uh, return to your own routine, your natural routine. So what I would do when I was traveling alone, I would just not set an alarm, but just wake up when I was well rested. I would eat when I was hungry, just listening to my body very well. Just not thinking, oh, it's eight o'clock and I should get some breakfast. No, just listening. Um, do Does my body need food right now? And it sounds really wishy-washy or whatever but it's it's a really natural thing to get in touch with your own body again because especially when you're a creative um some creators have really the tendency to have almost an outer body experience so we are thinking so much about what we want to do and want to be creating we sometimes lose touch with our bodies and it's very important to keep in touch with your body and just you, you can also do it for a couple of days just not set your alarm and just eat breakfast when you're hungry and eat dinner when you're hungry uh, and also listen do I need to go outside? Do I need fresh air? Do I need to walk? I think walks are really healing and very good for, for your brain as well. I, I, it could be better. I could take more breaks still, but I'm getting there. <laughs> do you think it's because we do jobs that are like and the intersection of or passion as well of what we love doing and what makes us, I think especially for you, it's the same with the comics, for instance, I'm thinking, but there's something like we're also healing through creating it or, you know, it's like, for me, it's all mixed up and it's not just, oh, I'm doing a job and then I'll clock out and I'll go out and do something, you know, it's like, we're always working, we're always being creative and it's really out, but I'm the same. Like I always say my body is just a way to move my brain around, you know, like I don't really, I'm really bad. I'm trying to get better as well. I think getting older, you get better because you just, you can't function otherwise. It's just bad. It's interesting because we have a creative, like you said, a creative profession and it's the boundaries of what is private time and what is work time are so mixed up sometimes. So I can lie in bed and then just think of an idea and I think, oh, this is brilliant and I want to be working on it. Um, but I sh also should be resting right now. So it's it's finding that balance. I think when you're a creative, you're, your brain is always on because you always have to observe. And you, you know what I mean? You have mm -hmm. to put out on your senses all the time and it's very tiring. If you do it too much and not take proper breaks and just disconnect from your work completely and say, I don't have to be thinking of anything and I will just let come in whatever wants to come in. I think that's that's very important. So that's why I take those breaks now. This is making me think of um did you read Big Magic from Elizabeth? Yeah, Norbert? I did. Yeah. That's the same idea of having space for it, it, for her it's obviously in a bit of a magical way but having space for ideas to come in and not always be seeking but yeah that's really good that you found a bit balance although you said that you're still burning out now so I don't know why we're doing this if you're burning out I want you to rest <laughs> you're working right <laughs> now it's almost. also one of the things that I found that is really healing uh, to talk with other creators and other people about what you're dealing with and what you're going through so I always I'm always looking forward to interviews because these are like uh, mini therapy sessions. Yeah. <laughs> so I really like them. So it's really beneficial for me as well to talk about this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's nice. And I think also we get, well, it's the same for you, I'm sure, but it can get a little bit lonely. Oh, you know, yeah. we all work on our own. Most of us do, illustrators or graphic designers and stuff. And it's nice because we rarely get to all be in the same place talking about these things. So yeah, I love it too. I always go into it being a bit tired in advance. And then I feel really like invigorated by it. It's really strange. That makes sense. And it is kind of lonely indeed sometimes. And you know what? I, I actually wanted to start a podcast myself because I thought it would be so nice to have an excuse to talk to fellow creatives. <laughs> 
So yeah, maybe yeah, I start a should. podcast. Yeah, yeah. You should do it in English, and then then clients are like, oh yeah, she's amazing. She oh, can, she can know. speak English as well. It's fine. Yeah, but you, yeah, but that was my whole point. It's just a really good excuse to talk to the people I want to talk to. You know, that I admire. Yeah. Or I'm like, hey, and. I think if other people can feel a little bit less lonely or because we all think about the same things and we all, you know, whenever I talk to people on Instagram or we all have the same concerns or things we're into and, and we never share or even the burnout or the, you know, never stopping. And so, yeah, it's really cool. I, I do. I do love it. And I just love talking. So, you know, <laughs> me too, as you know, <laughs> I could just go on for hours. <laughs> um, okay. So what did I want? I mean, I feel like there's so much I wanted to talk to you about and I did prepare the questions, but now we've gone all over the map, which I love. Okay, that was something I was curious to hear you talk about, which is more about the giving yourself credit for what you've achieved, because that's something I'm really bad at. I don't know if you have that. Whenever I do something, I'll be proud for like 10 seconds and I'll be like, on to the next thing. And then until I've done that thing, I don't feel good about myself or, you know, um, and I'm like, why? When is this going to end? But do you have that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm terrible. I, I even have that. I, I can't even be proud of myself. So I have this, this thing that I always work very hard on a project. And then um, just before the project is about to launch, ca can be a book, for example, just a week before the book and the book is almost coming out. And I already, uh, a week beforehand, I think, okay, what's the next thing? What, what am I going to do next? And how can I top this? And it's quite toxic, I would say, because um, you're, you're not in the moment at that point and you don't enjoy the success as well and i think it's very important to stand still for a bit so what i tend uh, tended to do in the past was that i would work from project to project to project and they were all overlapping so i never had a break in between the projects to just sit with myself and think okay what did i just do what did i just finish also asking myself did i enjoy this project um do i want to be doing another project like this or do i want to be doing something else so i think it's very useful for for two reasons reasons actually to give yourself credit for the work first of all is to have a break after a project and ask yourself is this really the thing you want to be doing do you want to do more of it a second just to take a little moment and be proud of yourself and just think well i did that that was quite hard or that was easy whatever but just to think yeah I've done that and I'm proud of myself and I rarely do that, but I, I try to do it more just for those two reasons. Yeah, that's really good advice. It's just we, we don't stop. Even if we do stop, because that's the other thing I'm sure you have. It's like even if work, like client work might stop and we might have moments of, you know, it goes in waves for me at least, but I think most creatives, it's like client work is always a bit wavy. We're always still doing personal projects, always doing something. So yeah, it is really good to stop and stand still. It's a, it's a really good metaphor. I did stand still for a little bit um, since two years. I, I'm trying to be more mindful of standing still. For example, now that I finished my book. So I finished my book in October, early October, my book was finished. And then uh, by the end of November, just was it published. So that went really fast. But from early October until... I think mid-November, I didn't do so much client work. So I was doing press and interviews for the book, but I didn't do much work. And right now I'm still not doing a lot of work. And that's the first time I think in, in 26 years <laughs> that I've been, been a bit more slow paced, sort of say. And it's really nice. It's the first time and I can recommend it. It's if, if you've done a really big project and you put your heart and soul in something, just make sure your, your schedule is a bit more 
clear after that so that you have time to unwind and reboot yourself after that. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about the book, actually, about the process of making it as well. Uh, and even just how it came about, because we've not really talked about this. Um, no. So um, in 2016, I wrote an article for a Flemish magazine about... Um, so we have this saying in Dutch that uh, translates into, I would say, rattling ovaries. Okay, <laughs> I don't know yeah. if there's an English term, but that means baby fever. Mm -hmm. So there's a really funny term for that. Um, and I wrote about the, the title was Where Are My Rattling Ovaries? Because um, I was really questioning it. Um, I was 31 at the time and around me, a lot of friends were having babies and I didn't have any of that baby fever. So I couldn't look at a child. I could look at a child and think, oh, that's really, oh, chubby arms, big eyes, really, really cute. Um, but it didn't make me want to have babies myself. So I started to think, is there something wrong with me? Shouldn't I am a woman. <laughs> Shouldn't I be wanting to have babies right now? Um, so I wrote an article about that and... Not long after, a publisher asked me if I wanted to do a whole book about it. And I thought that was really interesting because I never wrote a book before. <laughs> I was mainly known in the Netherlands for illustrating and I didn't do a lot of writing at the time. Um, but they wanted me to do a whole book. And I said no uh, at first because I said, I'm just 31. Maybe maybe baby fever will hit me in a few years time. Just, just give me a little bit of time to figure this all out. And quite sh soon after that article and that question from the publisher, I started researching the topic more and more. So the past six years, I'd say, six years, I did a lot of research on the topic and... Um, Slowly, I started writing a book. And then uh, early this year, uh, I started uh, just full on writing the book and uh, illustrating it as well, uh, having done a lot of research, but also asking other people how it felt for them. Yeah, so that's how the book basically came about. It took a couple of years, but here we are. It takes a long time. How did you find writing then? Because you said you didn't really do it. I mean, you did your comics always, but it's not the same thing, is it? So how did you find it? Yeah, it's so interesting because I often said that I am a writer that also draws. And I've always said that because I felt that in my bones that I'm actually a writer, not an illustrator per se. I just happened to be an illustrator because that's how my life went. It's just all, all the opportunities that I got were, were illustrating books or illustrating articles. And I feel very lucky about that. But I always felt, oh, I'd rather be writing. <laughs> So that was really interesting. I, I did it only for myself, the writing. I, I've been I've been writing blog posts since 2001. So I knew how to write, but just, just personal bits, not like books for a, a big audience or whatever. So when I started writing, I felt like everything fell into place. I felt at home for the first time. And that was so weird. I almost, almost get emotional talking about it. I've never talked about this before. This is the first time. But with drawing and illustrating, there always feels like I have to fit a certain mold. So I have to transform a little bit to be able to illustrate. And with writing, it went so easy. I've never had it. I have never had such a flow. I love illustrating. I really, really enjoy it. Um, but sometimes people spoke about a flow being in, in, into a flow and then everything goes very easy. Never had that with, with illustration. But when I started writing this year, I just lost track of time. I just, I just wrote and wrote and wrote and pages long. It was so easy. And that was so nice that something went easy for a change. And then I thought, oh crap, <laughs> I wasted so many years uh, not writing while I could be doing was writing. So it felt like coming home. Yeah, that was really nice. That's amazing. But then I guess what you just said about you felt like you could have done it earlier in a way. Um, 
I feel like writing is one of those things where the longer you've lived, the better you can be at it almost, you know, because you, you couldn't have written this book. Um, like you said, like at 31, you're like, well, what if, you know, I write this book and then in two years I want kids. It's not going to, you know, it's like the more life you've lived, the more wise you can be. And I'm sure, I mean, some people are really young writers and they're amazing. I'm not saying that, but for some people, it just takes them a bit longer and it makes it even nicer when it happens, I guess. Yeah, I think that's very interesting what you just said. Didn't even think about that. But with drawing, I don't know how you look at it, but I see drawing and illustration very much as a skill that can be learned. So you people a lot talk about um, natural talent or whatever that you're born with. I'm not a natural drawer at all. <laughs> I'm not a natural illustrator. It's really practice, 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 practice. I, I don't think I'm a brilliant drawer. I think I could, there are, are so many people that are so much better. Um, but what you just said really resonated with me. Um, the older you get, the more stories you gain and the more uh, insight in life you get. So I think various um, illustration is something that if you start very early, you can get a lot better. And I think that's uh, for a big part with writing as well. For writing, it's also important that you gain a lot of life experiences so you can tell your story. So thank you for saying that. It's very interesting. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm so wise. <laughs> you <laughs> are. You're going to get wiser with age. No, but I think you you probably would be a better writer. Like, the technical, because it's still technical to, you know, you probably had an editor and, you know, writing is not, there's something you wrote in the flow that probably needed a bit of editing and tweaking. Oh yeah, uh, a lot. <laughs> but that's the technical bit. Probably the more you do it, the better you get at it. But like, I remember I read a book recently and then listened to a podcast with the author and the book is amazing. I don't know if you've read it. It's um, Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Anyway, when you read it, it's like, whoa, like all the sentences are just, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just so well-crafted. And um, she was saying on the podcast that she spends so much time redoing the same sentences over and over again until it's perfect but obviously she probably wrote the story in the state of flow and then went back and back and back so in that sense probably similar to to drawing but I feel the same about drawing I don't think and I don't think it matters to be fair it depends what you're trying to do either you're trying to be a, someone that paints things perfectly or you're trying to tell stories and you can do both but I think you can tell stories without drawing amazingly oh I don't know it's interesting yeah what what I really like is that now that I've written a book I don't think I will let go of um drawings drawing pictures or illustrating because um, people ask me that are you going to quit being an illustrator I thought you can be a uh yeah slash everything yeah. <laughs> you can be a writer slash illustrator slash artist whatever you want um what I really love as well is combining text with illustration and I've done the, like you said you you like my comics mm. and that was really my sweet spot because I could tell my personal stories and I could enhance the story with my my drawings and that's what I really love I feel that a lot of the times there are illustrators and there are writers, but there are just a few that overlap. And I think I have to use that as well to my advantage that uh, I can write texts and I can also draw the pictures to go along with it. And that um, enhances each other. And I really like that. Yeah, you can. I think you can reach more people if you draw as well, just because people are attracted to images, you know, they will love to, yeah. to see it. But talking about your comics, yeah, what I really love about them is just feeling seen a lot or, you know, it's those things where you share a personal experience or a personal feeling and um, a lot of us feel the same. And then it just makes you, it's probably great for you because then it's really cathartic and it's like 
I'm sharing this, this is how I feel. And then you're like, oh, wow, everybody else feels the same. And you're like, yes, I'm not too weird, actually. You know, I'm normal. But uh, yeah, I love them. And I find them great for, for you to do and for us to read as well and see. Oh, now I feel a little bit bad because I don't do them so often anymore. Um, I used to do them a lot. It, it started out as a kind of uh, hobby, I'd say, mm. <laughs> as a sort of therapy for me to get through some some emotions. And then I started to do them for publications as well. So I did a weekly comic for a magazine. I really appreciated that I got to do that on a weekly basis for money because before I just did them for no money and just because I wanted to. But I have to be really honest. Once I started to do them weekly for money, I sort of lost the joy of it. So suddenly I had to do it and I was really grateful that I got money. So this is a really weird thing to say maybe because I am grateful, but also I lost that spark for it. So since then I've basically stopped doing them altogether because I want to I want to be doing things that bring me joy as well. I think that's very important. Yeah, but it does make sense though. You know, you're kind of not forced, but almost to do every week and then it doesn't, it's just, yeah, it, do, it makes sense to me that it would have gotten a bit funny and not as enjoyable, but it's also the way we create. I feel like... It's phases and right now you've enjoyed writing a lot. So you, it's nice for you to like see what you've done and accomplished and enjoy that. And, you know, maybe you'll do more paintings and then maybe you'll come back to comics. It's like a bit of a circle of things. It's nice that you can do so many things as well. Yeah, you just reminded me of something that I think is because a lot of people, I don't know if they tell you, but they tell me, oh, it's so nice that you make a living from your hobby, that you can do something you really enjoy and make money with it. And I think it's very, um, you have to be very, very careful that you don't lose that spark, that you don't lose that joy. Sometimes I think hmm, maybe it's better to have a hobby, to be drawing as a hobby, to be painting as a hobby, because as soon as you are uh, relying on it for you to pay your bills, it can get very tricky, I find. I don't know how you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I don't have anyone telling me that and I'd be like, it's not hobby, it's job, but it's amazing, <laughs> but it's not hobby. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think, no, I I don't know. I feel like I do a lot of different things to avoid ever losing the spark in any of them in oh, a weird yeah. way, you know, but I would see how having to do the same thing over and over again, but in a more kind of businessy way or like being told to do, you know, do an illustration every week for this, I'd get a bit like, oh, I'm bored of this now. I'd get bored more than lose the spark. And it's, but it's basically <laughs> the same thing, isn't it? But I get yeah, bored really easily. <laughs> so I'd be like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do something good now. I'm just going to be annoyed. So, um, but yeah. do you have a good balance in that, that you, you know, when to quit something and just to keep your joy in it? What is that question? Do I know how to do that? Yeah. Do you know, know when to, to stop something, to say no to a client because oh, yeah. otherwise you lose the spark? Yeah, 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 for sure. Or, you know, because like you said earlier, you'll do projects and you try to find a little bit of time. Or even if you don't find time to reflect, you'll do it automatically and be like, oh, that was horrible. Um, and then I'm really good at just not doing that again. Even if it's something that might have felt like it would be amazing. But then also there's always, you know, money. Think, again, because we're paying the bills with our job, it's always a balance of, I do need to take this to pay the bills and the house. <laughs> and then, but I'm not going to enjoy it. But anyway, so yeah, it's funny. What's really funny that made me think about something when you said about, you know, for to avoid burnout, or I don't know if you can avoid it completely, but to take time for yourself and reset your body to like its natural cycle. And it's funny because, you know, I've got a child, I've got a daughter and I cannot do that because I have an alarm clock, a human alarm clock. How do I do this? 
<laughs> Sorry, I did. I didn't say that it was really a privilege to not have children because I could go back to my natural cycle. It's such. Sorry, a, it's amazing. Sorry to all parents listening. I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, but I can still um, do the food thing. Um, but you know, it's funny. Um, you know, you gain some things, you lose some things. But yeah, no, I think it's amazing that you wrote the book for sure. And we need to be telling those stories. And it must have been hard when you met that. I mean, I don't know how hard it was actually, because it's quite personal and you probably felt a bit vulnerable maybe it's I can't I, yeah I can't imagine I've got things that I'd love to write about but I'm like oh, what if you know what are people gonna say or you know there's always you always yeah. have fears right did you have fears do you, you like, want to share something that you really no. want to do <laughs> <laughs> when I'm ready it's too many oh. things I need loads of therapy um but um no but tell me how you you felt good right you were like this is right yeah I think I have that weird so when I started publishing on Instagram, so I started in 2010 uh, mm -hmm. when the platform was just released and I already started sharing quite personal stuff. So for the past 10 years, I always got the question, aren't you afraid that people are going to attack you on your personal stories? Aren't you afraid to be so vulnerable for such a large audience? And to be honest, I've never had that. Um, I know that if you're honest and let your guard down, that people are will more easily attack you. Um and of course, that hurts me sometimes. I've got really, really ugly things in my email or in my DMs. But I would say in the whole, uh, I think it's worth it to be as vulnerable. I think I'm strong enough to be open about things that maybe other people aren't daring to be open ab about. So I don't mind to be a voice for many um, in that regard. So yeah, sometimes I get really nasty comments. But most of all, people are really lovely. And maybe I'm really lucky, but... In general, everything that I've done so far in the past two decades um, has been received, has been well received and kindly received. Yeah. So there are a lot of nice people and that makes me, yeah, that, that allows me to open up about really personal things because I know I'm in a safe space and I'm surrounded by kind and lovely people. That's nice. I do feel the same when I share some more personal stuff, but I always like try to forget how many people are going to see it. I'm like, I'm just going to share it and not think about what like, nobody's going to read that. And I, I never think comments, about it, to like, be honest. Oh. Yeah, but it's good. Like you said, it's important because more people are vulnerable, the more people are vulnerable. So then we can all be a bit better. And Yeah, I, I honestly believe that if you are willing to show what's in your heart and if you're willing to be open, you give other people space to be open as well. And that's kind of been my mantra just for, for myself, just to be as open as possible because that allows other people to be open. And the more people are open, the more they can be themselves. And I really believe that if people are allowed to be themselves, the world will be a kinder place. I know it's very naive of me to think like that, yeah, but I, there's a big part of me that really believes that, that if people are allowed to be themselves, the world will be a kinder place. Um, so yeah, I do talk about things that might be vulnerable, but I don't think they are as vulnerable as some people from the outside think they are for me. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I want to know why... You like the UK so much. Where did that come from? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, how much you love it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like everything. Um, some people get really excited about puppies and I get really excited <laughs> about the UK. Um, so once you got me going, I won't stop. So you have to 
stop me. Okay, I'll stop you. <laughs> so it started long, long time ago. <laughs> so I actually had a teacher when I was about 11 years old and he was obsessed with every, everything that came from the UK. So he was obsessed with the Beatles. He loved Faulty Towers. Uh, he loved the language and uh, he loved Roald Dahl as well. So he just let us read all the English versions of Roald Dahl's books. And he was, when someone is so passionate about something, it really transfers on you. It just rubs off on you. And I think my passion... Uh, has rubbed off on other people as well because I've been visiting in the UK so much over the past few years and uh, I'm always very happy when I get back and I just excitedly share everything that I've experienced. And I know there are actually a lot of people that has been have been visiting the UK because I am so excited about it. So I could be a travel That's guide. Nice. Like a tourist. Yeah. You should ask for yeah. some money from the tourist offices everywhere. I could, if I, I could just quit being an illustrator and just start my own travel company. Yeah. Just for the UK. Very, very yeah. niche. But I guess that Yeah. Works. But I really love the country. I was 18 when I first visited it. And I went to London and I really hated it. Sorry for everyone living in London, but <laughs> I just, it wasn't what I expected it to be. So I expected really like Cotswold, like Cottage. And I like, I, I thought it would be really the glowing hills or the rolling hills. And I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't what I expected. And then I was, I think, 22 or 23 when I visited uh, Cambridge and the countryside in Cambridge. And I thought, oh, this is what, what I was looking for. So I know that cities aren't really for me in general, just every place in the world, cities are not for me. And I really like the countryside. And it just is something about the landscape in the UK that is really soothing to me so the way the, the the rolling hills are and that is just an endless landscape and that you have everything in the uk so you have the sea and you have scotland with a lot of mountains and you have the beaches in, in the south of england and then you have the big cities you have basically everything you need <laughs> you have in one country and i think that's very special uh, and also that the diversity in the landscape so the the difference between the sandy beaches and then the green landscape in the middle and then the, the big mountains in in scotland i think the differences within one country are really special and i sometimes think do british people realize how um crazy that is that you have that i mean i just want to defend my country now but i feel like france has the same thing and it's warmer at the in the south so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm waiting for more <laughs> uh, maybe it I'm is because french like hmm. maybe it's because um, um it's i don't speak french so i feel very lost in that country and i do speak english so i, yeah. I can get around in england whereas if you put me in france <laughs> i'm like oh i don't know how how i should manage here it's really scary I guess to french me people are a bit more rude so it would be harder to to get to know them because i'm sure you do like probably you probably met uh, british people that you like as well you know that probably works with it right or is it yeah. just the landscapes and and the wonderful no it's not i was gonna say the wonderful food but you won't convince me i love me the, the food, food as well yeah. I, th I think the food the food is amazing as well <laughs> yeah just all the pies and all, all the, the the chocolates you have yeah it's perfect That's no I, I do like france as well but I, I think it's also i'm really uh, uh saying this from a perspective um that i i have been in the uk so many times and i have been in france very few times but okay i want to come back to the uk i was thinking about it while i was reading about some of the bits you wrote on your website and thinking about your paintings because you always use this bright pink that's amazing when you do the skies and oh, where i live in margate it's actually really known for 
sunsets. Like so well known that Turner, you know, the painter used to come here. I mean, I think he was coming on holiday a lot because it's a seaside town and from London, probably, I don't know where he lived now. I'm getting it out of my depth. But he was coming here a lot and painting the skies because they're amazing. You'd really love them. They're literally like your paintings. It's like bright pinks and orange and it's amazing okay. you probably love it while we're t- while we're talking i'm just scrolling on a travel website <laughs> when i could book a, a boat to margate so i'm coming over right now <laughs> <laughs> well no no you have to come in the summer because right now it's just rainy but um, uh, there's summer it's not that far actually yeah you could easily come no it's very it's very close yeah. and it's actually be on my wish list i'm, I'm going to kent soon but more yeah. just um underneath london a bit more towards brighton brighton yeah Yeah, brighton is lovely too but you won't have the nice sunsets because it's the other side of the coast you'll have the some of the sunrise i guess but um yeah you should come over it'll be nice but where we are is that it's like a bit of a peninsula so you've got i don't know if that's the geographical term but we're at the top so you're facing northwest so you yeah you get the sunsets but then if you go on the other side of the coast 20 minutes away you get the sunrise so it's pretty cool you know, you can do both in one. Oh, you're such you're in such a lucky spot. Mm-hmm, it's really nice. <laughs> I love it here. I mean, I'm the same. Yeah. I'm here in the UK now. I'm not in France, so you know, there's something to be said about that. Maybe it is yeah. better in some ways. I don't know. I still hope that in I don't know what when, but I still hope to move to the UK somehow. I don't know how to do it, but because with Brexit, it's gotten really tricky because you have mm. to prove that you are really exceptional at something <laughs> to be able to move there. I think now I'm not really exceptional, so it's really tricky to move there now. Um, mm. Yeah, and your partner so, is Dutch as well, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can, I can ditch him. Yeah, ditch I can ditch him, him and then yeah, the guy. What are you doing? That's easy, <laughs> easy solution. No kids, oh. you don't have to worry. That um, <laughs> he will be so happy to hear yeah, this. <laughs> like, oh, you love England that much, eh? Um, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to move anywhere because of bloody Brexit. So, as I'm happy that my child is half French because she'll be, you know, she she can go anywhere because she's got a French passport now. So. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. 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 Because England, that was so dumb. Anyway, again, we're not going to talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> but that um, was so dumb. <laughs> yeah, that was so dumb. Ooh. Okay. 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 Last question. It's an important one, but it's probably a bit overwhelming. I find it overwhelming for myself. Um, but it's about the big dreams and goals. Um, I always like to ask that for people because I'm curious to hear. Um, but do you have any big, yeah, big dreams for the upcoming Yes, I guess. Um, I find it's always a tricky question because I'm very much the kind of person that doesn't look into the future very, very much because I can, I'm the type of person that if I make, if I say this is my dream and I'm going to do this and I'm going to work towards it, I get very stubborn and just do that, even if I don't want it anymore along the way. So I'm really stubborn like that. So I, I try to be a bit more flexible. <laughs> so like what, if you're um, reading a book and you don't like it, will you keep reading it? Are you that I used kind of person? To. Okay, yeah. I used to. Yeah. I, I don't anymore. Okay, I just... Good. Uh, since a few years, I thought, no, this is a waste of my time. I just want to read good books. Okay, good. We agree. We agree. But some people are yeah. like, no, I will finish it. I'm like, okay. yeah, 
if you want. My, my partner as well. And he's just he's just lo- uh, reading a book and he's looking so angry. And I said, oh, are you enjoying your book? I said, no. And I, I said, well, just stop reading. And he said, no, I need to finish it. <laughs> I think, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I get it, though. The But I get the goal stuff. It's a hard question. Yeah, I do have a few goals, but they're more general. I don't know if that's interesting, but it's... Because I've been working since I was 12 years old. I've been really making a lot of... Well, basically, I've been using my creativity for other people. So once I realized that I could sell my creativity to draw the portraits of to make a website, I've been doing mainly that. And my whole uh, course towards today basically was whatever other people want of me, I will translate into a picture or whatever. Um, so... For the, for the next year, and I, I already started it this year, but I th- I thought I will give myself a break and just return to what I want to be doing. Like the, the reset I talked about when I go alone on holiday and just go back to my natural cycle again. I want to do that with my creativity as well, to go back to my natural creativity cycle. So what you have to do then is just quit everything you're doing, basically, which is bloody scary to me honestly <laughs> just as I, i'm saying I, I get goosebumps right now but i just said no to a client i said no to client jobs i've never done that in the past i said yes to everything just out of fear um so i've been saying no a lot which is really scary but i want to keep my schedule really clear because i want to do a big reset i want to go back to zero and think what do I want to be making? And maybe it sounds really ridiculous to to you or to others, but that is really the scariest thing I have done in 26 years of creating creative work. (laughs) No, that's super brave. And like you said, saying no, and then giving yourself that time to figure it out. That's amazing. And like, you're only going to get out of it stronger and more, you know, determined or it's it can only be have a positive outcome you just need some savings i guess yeah i did that because <laughs> i said yes to every job and got in in the past 10 years really so i got some savings and also my partner really convinced me of that he said you shouldn't worry about the money so much because you are the type of person that always finds solutions to make money some how and that's always been when i was eight years old i remember i wanted to buy a lego set it wasn't my birthday so my mom said you have to make some money to buy that lego set so what i did was um i don't recommend this but i uh, got all my mom's books and i sold them (laughs) i sold all of my mom's books (laughs) and uh, that way my mom wasn't too pleased with that (laughs) (laughs) but I made some money and I, and I got my Lego set. So I, I know that I'm very inventive in that way, that I will find a way not selling other people's stuff. Uh, yeah. Of course, because now I'm a grown up and I wouldn't do that, but um, I will find a way to make money. Um, and also, for example, I really enjoyed painting. For the last three years, I've been painting more and I, I really enjoy that. But there was also this little voice telling me that I couldn't make money with this. This wasn't something to be be making money with. But I've sold a lot of paintings since then and I've sold a lot of art prints as well. So I do know that I can do something that I enjoy and it makes me money as well. And that is something that I didn't realize before. So I always thought I need to be hard at work and I need to be working a lot of hours and I shouldn't have a lot of pleasure in what I do because that's not the way it is. You, you shouldn't be enjoying what you, what earns your money. And that's really a mindset that just goes a long, long way. <laughs> Therapy uh, is needed for that. But um, I've started to realize that I can do something, enjoy and make money with that. And that's relatively new to me as well. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's such a nice note to end on. You can make money and actually enjoy what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's so true. That's amazing. Ah, oh, well, this was amazing. I'm so excited I got to meet you finally. After yeah, you too. After a month of trying to catch up with each other. <laughs> house moves and you planning to move to the UK. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Your, the cogs are going to start moving in your brain. You'll be like, how can I move to the UK? Yeah. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Please let us know what you think on Mimi's Instagram or email us if you have any questions. Also make sure to check out our community on mimiforcreatives.com and listen to previous episodes of the podcast. Reach out if you fancy a coaching session with me and have a look on the website for resources, tips and tricks. Now have a wonderful day and I'll see you soon. Bye.